You are being lied to by the powerful. And when the powerful lie, the regular people pay the price. And evidently, you can be a Hispanic white supremacist who targets white people in a mass shooting. Plus, it's time to react to SatanCon 2023 in Boston, Massachusetts this past month. And sex education in your kid's school may be partnered up with Planned Parenthood. In fact, they are. But what should we do? We should fight back. And today, I intend on sharing some stories of those who are bravely standing up against the tide of cultural confusion in our nation. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End, on Tim Hatch Live. Welcome in, everybody. It is season six, episode 30. No, 31. Sorry. Episode 31 of The Deep End. And I am your humble host, Tim Hatch. And welcome into Tim Hatch Live, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Hey, click that subscribe button for me. If you would, and the like button, and the notification bell. Uh, that way you get notified on your smartphone. This little device, every time we go live and present new content. The deep end is when we talk about news and culture of the day. And so without further ado, let's do some deep end news. Deep, 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 deep end news. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, I want to talk to you about when the powerful lie to you. And they lie to you regularly. So this past weekend, there was a tremendous tragedy down in Allen, Texas, just outside of Dallas-Fort Worth, where a madman, a gunman, fired on innocent civilians in a mall outside of Dallas and killed eight. And the media elites jumped to conclusions right away, pointing out that there was plenty of proof showing that the gunman who opened fire in this Dallas suburb mall was a white supremacist had neo-Nazi beliefs, and this is another indication that white people are to blame for most of the problems in society today. This is the news media narrative. This is what they want to pump into our children, pump into churches, pump into communities. White people, and by extension, British colonialism, is to blame for all the hideous events in human history. But there was a problem. The name of the shooter was released, and I hate talking about shooters, but we need to talk about this one. His name was Mauricio Garcia. He was Hispanic, not exactly white, and he gunned down a bunch of white people in his white supremacist shooting rampage. So since this shooting happened, you know, they're trying to gather up all the evidence to find out motive, 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 motive. Now, motive only matters when it fits the narrative that the media elites want you to believe. So evidently this guy had a tattoo that represented perhaps a white supremacist organization. Of course, there's no proof to those ties and that he honked in his neighborhood a lot as he drove around, which made him a honky. Um, these are the reports. These are the, this is the investigation underway. And I don't want to share many more details because who knows, a couple of days from now, the whole narrative could explode into something totally different. The point that I'm trying to make is that the media elites lie to you on a regular basis and you need to be aware of it. I mean, think about it. A white supremacist Hispanic who fires on white people in the name of white supremacy reminds me of Clayton Bigsby. Anybody remember that <laughs> skit from Dave Chappelle? Reminds me of the blind black white supremacist that Dave Chappelle so hilariously exposed on his comedy shoot routine a few years ago, actually over 10 years ago. No, almost 20 years ago now. This is how it works. The narrative. It's all about the narrative. White people, white supremacy, neo-Nazi, white people, white supremacy, neo-Nazi. I'm going to put a chart here up on the screen about the increase of news reporting with regards to the terms racist, racism by the major news outlets 
of our country. And, and this is what the media elites want you to believe on a regular basis. Racism is a serious problem. Racism, 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 white people, white people, white people. I mean, this never ends. And then the media, not only the media elites, but the political elites jump to their own conclusions and extend their thoughts about those who are suffering in the midst of these tragedies. For instance, almost President Hillary Clinton, and I love the phrase almost president, Hillary Clinton tweeted out on May 9th. Yep, that's today. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about this beautiful young family murdered with an AR-15 style rifle while running errands. Ban assault weapons now. And she puts the picture of one of the non-white families uh, who suffered in this attack. And it is a tragedy. And our hearts go out to them and their families and those who are uh, affected by this tragedy. But the call to ban assault weapons is interesting because on the same weekend that someone gunned down eight people with an AR-15, uh, another man ran down seven people at a bus stop near a Texas migrant shelter. Uh, so should we ban trucks? If we're going to ban guns because guns kill people, which is actually not true, people kill people, then next, next move has to be ban trucks, ban anything that anyone can use to kill anyone at any time, including words, which may in fact become a reality sooner rather than later. We are living in 1984's reality today, where if you hold to certain views and espouse them or speak them, you could be blamed for the death of of others, such as if you hold to a traditional view of marriage, you're to blame for the deaths of gay people. If you hold to a traditional view, biblical view of man and woman, male and female, two genders, you could be blamed for the death of trans people. Now, interestingly enough, that's fine. That narrative is fine, right? And blaming a Hispanic uh, with white supremacy ties on the shooting and the gun is fine if you're in the powerful positions. But it's only taken 24 hours for the news media to confirm the motive of the Hispanic white supremacist in Texas. But here we are six weeks later, and we still don't know the motive of the trans shooter at the Nashville Covenant Christian School. Evidently, the FBI is stalling the release of the manifesto of Nashville shooter Audrey Hale, and that it was almost released and then quickly removed from being released almost immediately because the powerful want to lie to you see this is this is the trend this is where we live this is how totalitarian regimes take ownership of a country so the equation is very simple shoot up white people with a vague tattoo referencing perhaps a white supremacist organization the motive is 100 percent clear immediately shoot up a christian school as a trans kid leave a manifesto behind and the public never gets to hear about your motive and it's irrelevant in fact it's a distraction according to some news outlets this is what happens when the powerful people regularly lie to you and you are in the crosshairs of their lies on a regular basis. Our president continues to lie. This is a man who lies about almost everything, including his financial ties to China, including having no uh, awareness, I guess, of the amounts of money being deposited into family members accounts. This is all about to come out, by the way, tomorrow uh, from China. Uh, he is he has lied about his uh, record in law school. He's lied about his upbringing. This is a man Joe Biden has claimed to be raised in the black church, the Hispanic community, uh, and a Jewish community all at the same time. I mean, where did this guy not grow up? I guess when you're 800 years old, you have a chance to grow up in several different places at once. Who knows? Anyway, I guess a mosque or a couple of mosques were set on fire in Minnesota. Another tragedy 
Thankfully, no one was harmed. But the president jumped to his Twitter account to express the following lie. Quote, Muslim culture has been woven throughout American culture from the very start. We must always stand against anti-Muslim hate and stand up for the rights and dignity of all people. It's essential to who we are, a nation founded on the idea of freedom and justice for all. That's kind of problematic, is it not? I mean, if I have to explain this to you, uh, it might, might not be your fault because you were raised in the public school system. <laughs> so, no, Mr. President, the Muslim culture was not woven into American culture from the very start. Uh, there were um, 55 delegates who signed the Declaration of Independence back in 1776. This is what they used to teach in high school. This is what they used to teach our kids. I guess they're not teaching it anymore because the president basically got away with his lie without anybody actually showing any disapproval. So 55 signers in the American uh, Declaration of Independence. And guess what, President Biden? They were all Christian. Not a single one of them was a Muslim. Not a single one. And there is no vestige of Islamic law written into the Declaration of Independence, nor the U.S. Constitution. And the fact that you do not know this is either speaking to your age and onset, early onset dementia or your ignorance of human and American history. I suspect both are at play here. No, ladies and gentlemen, Muslims did not form America's culture. They did not. Now, they might be part of America's culture right now. And their value as citizens, it can be good, it can also be bad. We don't know. We got to depend on the actions that they purport. But this is why we have in our history a national holiday devoted to Martin Luther King Jr. and not to Malcolm X. Martin Luther King Jr., a Christian pastor who practiced nonviolence resistance to inequities and injustice. Malcolm X, a Muslim extremist who in his 20s sold marijuana, used cocaine, and committed armed robberies regularly, and then supported violent extremist tactics to fight for civil rights. You see how one guy gets the national day, the national holiday, and the other guy doesn't? Yeah, Christianity, President Biden. I know it's hard to say. I know, you're a devout Catholic with no, with, with no knowledge of the history of Catholicism's contribution to our country either, probably. But Christianity shaped our culture. Christianity shaped America. Muslim, the Muslim religion, Islam, had nothing to do with it. In fact, it is the Christian ethic of loving your neighbor that allows Muslims to live at peace side by side with Christians. That's how you get a country like ours. That's how you get a country that believes all men are equal. That's how you get a country that empowers women to vote. Go to Muslim countries right now where women cannot even own property. Never mind vote or where a man can take on another woman under the Islamic law. No problem. Go to Egypt, where it is impossible for a Christian business owner to get a license to practice his business or to practice other civil rights and liberties. No, my friend. And I'm not saying Joe Biden is my friend. No, Mr. President. <laughs> America was not shaped through Muslim culture. Muslims are welcomed into America because America was founded on, grounded in, and is thoroughly baptized in the Christian ethic and the Christian worldview, the Judeo-Christian values. But this is what happens when the powerful lie to you regularly. They do, and it affects you. It's rewriting history. 
It's also affecting your children and how they were schooled during the pandemic. Remember in the pandemic when Randy Weingarten, the largest teachers union president, shut down all the schools because she held sway over all the teachers and told them not to go back to work no matter what the government said, no matter what her arch nemesis in the political sphere, Donald Trump said, do not go back. Well, she wants to rewrite history now, claiming in front of Congress that she did everything that she could to open the schools up. Here she is testifying just last week. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was a ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified, others were terrified. And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves and we worked with doctors and we worked with others and we just tried to get it out there. Okay, now you're all- uh, yeah, so here she is yeah, claiming that I was responsible. I was not responsible for the closure of schools. Now, now here's the great thing. The internet was invented for things like this. When people blatantly lie to you <laughs> and they've been public figures for any amount of time, you could easily go onto the internet and dig up their own words on video saying the exact opposite of what they claimed they were saying at the time they were saying it. So somebody put this montage together. The internet is forever of Randy Weingarten fighting, fighting vehemently for schools to remain closed during the pandemic. And if people are in high risk, they shouldn't be in school. They should be doing things remotely. Just because Donald Trump wants to take a risk with people who go to bars or beaches, those of us who have spent our life teaching kids are not going to take a risk with kids or with our members' lives. Remote and hybrid are really the only two ways you can reopen um, schools safely. You've got to delay school opening because if you don't have the masks, how are you going to be able to do this? There's a huge difference between working in Walmart and working in a school. You know, even a situation like Florida, where it was pretty clear that schools should not reopen and where Miami schools did not reopen because you had um, people who were courageous and who were willing to defy DeSantos's denials. And they're... Uh, yeah, it goes on and on, this montage of her talking about how she wanted to close schools, she wanted to keep them closed, and remote learning was the only option. But she testifies in front of Congress that she fought every day to reopen schools. They lie. They lie through their teeth, thank God, for the internet, because the internet, this is what the internet should be doing, right? Forget the cat memes. Uh, this is what the internet should be doing, keeping people Honest. And I have another, you know, just an article here from The Guardian uh, from this is from July 2020. Reckless, callous, cruel teachers chief denounces Trump plan to reopen schools. The Internet is forever. Somebody say it with me. The Internet is forever. But you can lie and get away with it. And it hurts you. It hurts your kids. Uh, the reports are out. CNN reporting student test scores plummeted in math and reading after the pandemic. Um, the Washington Journal reporting eighth graders history civics test scores hit record low. Now, that civics test score 
Very important, because if you don't understand civics, that is, how are we civilly governed? How does our government work? Are we a constitutional republic or are we a rule by the majority democracy? See, that little distinction is of utmost importance. And I fear that there is a nefarious aim to keep our kids stupid so that our kids will keep growing up stupid and then vote for stupid leaders so that the powerful can continue to regularly lie to us and no one holds them accountable. This is bad, and you're, you're paying the price, your kids are paying the price, and we must say something about it. Anyway, that is the news, and I'm going to do a review because I'm from Massachusetts, and my church, several of our locations are in Massachusetts, and I lived in Massachusetts most of my life, this past month and in April, uh, SatanCon was held in Boston, Massachusetts. And so I've decided, let me do a reaction in the deep end to SatanCon 2023. Not because it was huge and earth shaking, but because it revealed a lot about the Satanist movement and who these people are. SatanCon 2023 held April 28th to the 30th in Boston, Massachusetts, Boston Marriott Copy Place, um, revealed a lot about who these Satan worshipers are. Evidently, they're not Satan worshipers. They just don't like God. And it turns out that they are just a bunch of scared white people who are still thinking COVID-19 poses a threat to their health and safety. They also prey on college-educated women and indoctrinate them into left-wing values. I'll give you a couple of pieces of evidence to that effect. The USA Today did a review of the Satan Con, world's largest gathering of Satanists, hails diversity and fellowship. And I don't know if you're watching, but you should be watching the show on YouTube. Uh, what do all those people have in common on the screen at the Satan Conference? They've all got horns in their head. Okay. They all might be women. Let us not assume their gender. That would be transphobic. But what else? They're white. And they're all wearing masks as they hold little fans saying, Hail Satan, and dressed to the 666s for <laughs> the unholy one. I don't know. <laughs> they seem to be struggling with diversity, and they, they admit as much. Uh, from the article, quote, Temple ministers also said the group is actively courting more diverse members into congregations that have been, quote, more of a white crowd, end quote, said Dex Jardins, a spokesman for the Satanic Temple. So watch out, black and brown people, also in Asians. The Satanists want you to be part of their weird and wacky movement. There's more pictures to be found on the internet of SatanCon. Again, almost everybody wearing a mask, including the person to the left who is some kind of satanic priest inaugurating a new convert into the movement, <laughs> wearing a mask. And then this other horn-wearing, red-hair-dyed lady tattooed. Oh, sorry. Don't assume their gender. Tattooed from head to toe, wearing the mask. Yes, the bravery that it took Satan to rebel against God in God's presence. Yes, I mean, let's, let's be honest. I, I'm no big fan of Satan at all. In fact, I'm his enemy. I can't wait till the lake of fire consumes him for all eternity. But it does take stones to rebel against God in the heavenly throne room. I'm not seeing that same kind of bravery reflected in his followers. Because if you're still scared about a virus that the... World Health Organization just said is no longer a problem for the whole of the world. If you're still wearing masks in April 2023, you don't pose the cultural threat that I thought you would. <laughs> you're, you're, 
You're kind of doing your leader a disservice in representation. Uh, speaking of representation, like I said, they want to add diversity to their membership. And this goes back to the USA Today article. They highlighted Emma Yama, a 26-year-old Minnesota minister in her local satanic club, uh, joining her and said joining her local chapter expand, expanded the world she knew, listen to this, as a Vietnamese American adopted into a white Catholic family from the Midwest. She said, I didn't even know what it meant to be a person of color. Hmm. That's interesting. What led you to know what it meant to be a person of color? She said she first read about the group in high school and shrugged them off as trolls, but began to take them more seriously as she sought more ways to express her individual identity and build a community after she graduated from college. Bada bing! There it is. You see, the young, college-educated, and now probably diseducated or de-educated populace are perfect targets for the Satanists because now they have been indoctrinated into left-wing cultural values and the Satanists are waiting to catch them and tell them, poor you, adopted shamefully by white Catholic parents. Oh, the atrocities, the abuse you must have went through to be adopted and loved by people who are not biologically related to you because of their Christian faith. How did you manage to cope in such a hateful environment? Again, white people are to blame for all of culture's problems. What a world. <laughs> what a world. Uh, by the way, it goes down further in the article, and it says, Yama remains one of only two people of color in her ministry. She said, even though it felt amazing to be amongst like-minded peers at the largest gathering of Satanists, the racial makeup of the crowd is still noticeably lacking in diversity. Oh, I guess the Satanists are not as diverse as they claim to be, and shamefully so. But here's what they are. They are total sissies, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Satanists are total sissies. Not only do they don masks in April 2023, but they have a message for those who would dare to tell them what to do. They're not going to take it anymore. This person interviewed uh, at the Satan Temple Conference has to take the cake. Listen to his own testimony as to why he likes the movement. This is fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> assumed his gender again their gender again, but let's listen to what they have to say about why Satanism appeals to them. Watch. Well, to me, it's always been about opposition to theocracy and authoritarianism. Satan, to me, is a very powerful symbol of um, rebellion and anti-authoritarianism. And, you know, that's kind of what it is to me. Obviously, everyone is here for their own reasons. But, yeah, for me, I, I just... I don't like being told what to do, and I don't like people telling other people what to do. <laughs> As he keeps wearing his masks, according to Dr. Fauci's standards, well into 2023. Yes, way to stick it to those who are telling you what to do. Then one of the keynote speakers got up and bravely tore pages out of the Bible after ripping a thin blue line flag in half in front of a cheering crowd. The, child, the, the, the crowd then broke into spontaneous Hail Satan chants while she tore up the Bible. Watch. There's the flag. You can see the flag right there. Wow. So brave. Tearing up the Bible. Now do the Quran. Yeah? If you're brave enough to tear up the Bible because the Bible speaks about a higher power who is in charge, the Quran does too. But 
ironically, there was no Quran being torn up at the Satan conference. Maybe it's because of the lack of diversity. Maybe there's no Arabs. So perhaps they didn't need representation of the Arab holy book. Who knows? But this is Satanism for you, 2023. And they're total sissies. And this is why Christians, I'm begging you, don't take these people seriously. Mock them as you should, because they are exactly like the false prophets of Baal in Elijah's day. And they were cutting themselves and calling out to their gods and nothing happened. And there's Elijah mocking them. Maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's relieving himself. Who knows where you're going? Speak louder. Cry harder. I mean, really, you know, I, I am not believing any of the reports out of this movement. And I, I know people wanted to go and witness to these people and share the gospel. And maybe, maybe that works. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I just think that they're so lost. Uh, we, we, we pray for their souls. Absolutely. We care for their souls. But at this point, it's just a show. Don't take them serious. Don't get all worked up. A lot of Christians got worked up too. Oh my goodness. Satan Con 2023. I, I mean, I, I had people, uh, pastors reaching out to me. Uh, we're going to go protest. I was like, don't do that. That's exactly what they want. They want you to freak out. They want you to respond with, oh no, the world is ending because of the Satanists are coming. They, they have no good hearty message. They have no gospel and they have no power. Satan, really, the only power that he has, remember, is what God allows. So maybe God is allowing the Satanists to do these things in Boston just to kind of mock modern society. And I'll tell you what else is happening here. And this is important. God might be allowing the Satanists to mock one particular political side of the aisle. Mm. Because not only are the sissies, but we should take note of their alliances. And I'm going to do something here to show you what I mean. On the screen, I have the breakout sessions from the Satan conference. So let's take a look at the heading, shall we? Reclaiming the trans body, atheistic strategies for self-determination and empowerment. Sins of the flesh, Satanism and self-pleasure. Or reimagining Lilith as, Lilith as an archetype for reproductive justice. Sound familiar? And Satanism and the BIPOC, bisexual people of color. That's what that acronym stands for, experience. Gosh, what side of the political aisle do the Satanists most align with? Hmm. Trans rights? Check on the Democratic agenda. Abortion rights? Check number two. Alternative sexualities amongst people of color? Check, check, check. It's kind of amazing to see the affiliation of only one side of the political aisle line up with SatanCon. And I get it. You don't have to be a Republican to be a Christian. But if you're a Democrat, at some point you might want to ask yourself, who is on my team? <laughs> Anyway, that's SatanCon 2023. Now I want to do a little more info for you parents. I love this segment, and we're going to talk about the education system's continued effort to program your kids from as young as six years old into gender confusion. And that brings me to what every parent needs to know about sex ed in 2023. <laughs> So I've said this before, we need to stop exporting American values to the rest of the world and the rest of the world is listening. That's good, right? The Biden administration wants to export with, in partnership with many other Western UN countries, uh, he wants to export sex ed America style to the rest of the world. 
And the rest of the world recently said, no thanks. Two dozen nations, this is the post-millennial reporting, two dozen nations band together to reject Biden EU sexuality education proposal at the UN conference. Uh, the article is stating that over two dozen nations from Asia, Africa, and the Middle East and Eastern Europe rejected a resolution promoting sexuality education proposed by the Biden administration, uh, the European Union, and other Western nations. Uh, at the UN Commission on Population Development event in New York, the Biden administration, the EU, and other Western nations looked to set to looked set to force the adoption of a resolution that included the controversial term comprehensive sexuality education, but faced unexpected opposition from numerous traditional countries. Reports for the Center for Human for Family and Human Rights says. Um, so one of the organizations that they use to teach kids today in America is called the Advocates Youth, youth Pro, Advocates for Youth Programs 3Rs. This is a program that is presently being used, I know in Minnesota and other states around the country, either publicly or subversively, to educate your kids about human sexuality. Now, when I was growing up in, in you know, elementary school and high school, basically sexual ed was, um, it causes pregnancy, it may cause uh, sexually transmitted, transmitted diseases, and this is how babies are made, period. But comprehensive sex ed, that key that's a key word comprehensive sex ed because it's so much more than that you you have to embrace the spectrum of gender ideology you have to embrace uh the ideas of consent and when to know this is what they're teaching now when to know you're ready to have sex and how to talk about sex freely with your partner that's what the advocates for youth curriculum really is all about now i went to the website myself today looked it up the three R's stand for rights, respect, and responsibility. This is a group that is partnered with Planned Parenthood. Uh, and I actually downloaded the curriculum from their website. I'm gonna show you a couple pages of their curriculum. Parents, you need to know what's being taught to your kids as young as six years old. Uh, this is one of the authors of the curriculum. The name is Elizabeth Schroeder, and I will not call her a doctor because in my opinion, she does not deter deserve that term. Um, but this is her bio. She's an award-winning educator, trainer, and author in the areas of sexuality, education, pedagogy, pedagogy, uh, LGBTQ issues, working with adolescent boys and using technology and social media to teach young people about sexuality. Hmm. She's the former director of ANSWER, a national sexuality education organization serving young people and adults who teach them. She was previously the associate vice president of education and training at Planned Parenthood of New York City and the manager of education and special projects at Planned Parenthood Federation of America. But this is, this is one of the authors of the sex education program that might be in your kid's school. And when I say school, I'm not talking about their high school. I'm talking about their elementary school. So they have, again, like I said, on their website, their curriculum is right there. It's on a shared open public Google Drive folder. I went there and I downloaded it myself. And one of the lessons, and this lesson is for sixth graders, it's called Thinking Outside the Box. And it is uh, about basically teaching, you know, the terms sex assigned at birth, gender identity, cisgender, transgender, gender non-binary and transgender information. Uh, their objective is also to differentiate Teach your kids, by the way, how to differentiate between a gender, a person's gender identity and their expression. And then they're supposed to describe at least two gender stereotypical roles and how they impact the people who are not cisgender. Uh, and they have to identify at least one trusted adult in their lives they can go to with their questions about gender. Th this is for sixth graders. 
So basically undermining you as a parent, you've got to find a trusted adult. Notice, not a parent, a trusted adult. The adult could be their sixth grade teacher or their principal or their school nurse. I mean, I remember when school nurses were just basically there to give a, me an excuse to avoid science for a day. <laughs> now nurses are there to teach me about how I can hide my sexuality or gender identity from my parents. And this is their objective. It's right there, available for download right now. Another lesson plan. This is for the kindergartners and first graders, pink, blue, and purple. I couldn't believe this, but learning objectives from this curriculum. By the end of this lesson, this is literally word for word, students will be able to define gender, gender identity, and gender role stereotypes. And they will also name at least two things that they've been taught about gender role stereotypes and how those things may limit people of all genders. The lesson rationale, the lessons for lower elementary uh, students provides the foundation, foundational concepts of gender so that students can then understand gender identity and gender role stereotypes, helping students reflect on things like colors, toys, and careers. This lesson teaches students that, the, that gender should not be a limiting factor in being who you are and living authentic, authentically. So one of the things that they tell the teachers to do to, to prepare for the class is uh, prepare enough sheets of flip chart paper for half the students in your class. Each student should have a large Venn diagram, one of Vice President Kamala Harris's favorite things, a Venn diagram on it. The left circle should have the people, should have the heading girls, the right circle boys, and the center area, anyone. <laughs> then they go on, they purchase baby cards, and, and they talk about gender stereotypes with your kindergartner, with your first grader. Yes, imagine, imagine being willing to send your kids to the lions and get that kind of indoctrination from their first grade teacher. Y you know what I learned about in first grade? I learned about the alphabet. I learned about shapes and colors. When I got to third grade, I was learning about President Lincoln. You know what your kids are learning today? How to be their authentic self, even if their authentic self doesn't match their biology because Gender is a social construct after all. This is the garbage that they're giving your kids right now. And so here's the point that I wanna to make today. And it's going to sound very strange coming from a biblical preacher. And I, I am a biblical, biblical preacher. And I believe every word that Jesus said was 100% true. But enough is enough parents and Christian parents in particular. I'm gonna suggest something to you again. You do not expect this from a pastor, but maybe it's time that we stop turning the other cheek. After all, it's not a public policy position. I know the verse, you know the verse, Matthew 5, 39. Jesus said, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. And if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. This, my friends, is one of the most misunderstood, misapplied verses in all of the Bible. Jesus is talking not about public policy and a shared human experience through civil organization. No, no. He's talking about personal retaliation for offenses in your personal life. See, at the time of Jesus saying this, it was a legal right of Roman centurions and other powerful Roman citizens to literally smack a Jew across the face without cause. It was a personal insult. It's a way of insulting Jews. Jesus said, here's how we're going to fight that. We're going to just turn the other cheek. We're not going to let the personal insult drive our ambition. Now, this passage must not be applied to Christians to advise you to lay down in the face of cultural evil. If that was the case, then the slave trade never would have been abolished through Christians in England in the 1700s, William Wilberforce, John Newton, and others. 
If it was the case that Christians are supposed to just lay down and accept cultural evils as they are, then Martin Luther King Jr. stepped out of line. As a pastor, he should have just been okay with segregation and redlining and Jim Crow. He should have been okay because after all, turn the other cheek, right? No, no. This command is about getting, is, is, this command is not to be applied to how we run society. And I want to give you some biblical mandates, some biblical wisdom here, because that's what this show is about. I think there's so many Christians that don't, they, they take this idea to work. They take this idea to schools. Now, we don't have to be jerks. Absolutely not. And we don't have to be obtuse and we don't have to be aggressive. That, that's the... That's the extreme. We want to stay away from that. Don't blare your Christian music at the secular workplace and then claim persecution when your boss tells you to turn it off. You probably shouldn't be blaring your Christian music. You say, well, they're blaring their secular music, and so I should be able to blare my Christian music. Okay, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we're Christians. We listen to authority when that authority does not ask us to deny our faith or to live contrary to what Jesus tells us to live. You are not required, according to the faith, to blare Christian music at a secular workplace. Okay? So relax. Take a step back. We're not talking about being obtuse or aggressive just for the sake of being obtuse or aggressive. What we are talking about, though, is taking steps to use every, and listen to this, legal option available to fight for our rights. This is not first century Rome. And the president or our senators or legislators do not have the right to slap us across the face, face physically or metaphorically, and we just turn the other cheek. No, we have courts. We have the separation of powers. We have the legislature. We have other powerful places in our society to work the system on our behalf. And I'm going to give you biblical evidence that this is how the church ha acted in the past, most notably in the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul knew how to work the legal system. Uh, he was from Tarsus. That was a very educated center, city center in the ancient world. He was also a Roman citizen, which gave him basically carte blanche rights to travel anywhere he wanted free of uh, without, without any kind of resistance. He was a very educated Jew, which gave him knowledge of the law and the requirements of the law and the and the ceremonial aspects of the law, which helped him fit in with different uh, Jewish groups throughout the Roman world and bring the gospel to them. But there were several occasions in the book of Acts where Paul leveraged the law and leveraged wisdom in his own mind to escape condemnation politically, to escape judicial activism against his rights. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. And the Bible, this is recorded in Holy Scripture. I give you Acts chapter 16. Now, Acts chapter 16, he had just been arrested and thrown into prison for casting out the demon um, out of a slave girl. They put him in prison. There's an earthquake. You know, Paul and Silas, they're singing. There's an earthquake. They're released. The jail, the, the jailer gets saved. And then the next day, it says in Acts chapter 16, the magistrates sent police saying, let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent us to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. But look what it says. <clears throat> Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And now they want us to go out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. And the police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia and saw the brothers and encouraged and then departed. What is Paul doing here? He's leveraging his rights as a Roman citizen to demand an apology for the restriction of his civil liberties in the city of Philippi. Another example, Acts chapter 22. Um, they're about to hand him over to be whipped 
It says here in verse 22, the, tri- the tribune, the government official, ordered Paul to be brought into the barracks when they had stretched him out for the whips. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you doing? This man is a Roman centurion, or Roman citizen, sorry. Uh, the, tribute, the tribune came to him and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought my citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, I was born a Roman citizen. And those who were about to examine him withdrew him from him immediately. What's Paul doing? Is he saying, oh, well, they're going to whip me. And after all, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And so actually this will bring glory to him if I suffer, even though I don't legally have to suffer. <laughs> no. Paul said, this is not right. This devalues me. And I am going to use, listen again, every legal option that I have to fight for my rights as a citizen, as a human being. Later, back in the city of Jerusalem, this is interesting because Jerusalem was under, you know, the Jewish uh, legislature or, or rule or authorities, not necessarily the Romans. The Romans were over them too, but, but it was always a very tenuous situation for the Roman authorities to deal with the Jewish authorities. So Paul is brought on trial in Acts chapter 23. And it says this, this is a great passage. I love this. It says, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council and said, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is respected the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. And we said this as a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And I particularly love this moment because what Paul is doing here is he's reading the crowd. And remember, um, Paul was radically saved to Christianity as a former Pharisee. And in fact, he refers to himself in other passages as a former Pharisee. But here he's like, hey, I am a, I'm still a card-carrying member of the Pharisees and I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And it actually spares him from a public trial, a public punishment, and he protects his rights. Was it a little bit sly? You betcha. And he used it. And this is, I think, the clarion call that needs to go out to the church today. Stop turning the other cheek because it's not a public policy position. The same Jesus who said that we should turn the other cheek also said in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out as sheep in the, in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents. Another translation says shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. In other words, leverage every legal right that you have to get the job done and protect yourself because you can't preach the gospel if you're dead. And I think in America, we so often have such a, an abysmal understanding of scriptures, uh, or we're taught the scriptures at such an elemental level that no one actually cross-references and does a comprehensive examination of the Christian's rights in the public square. No, we, we're, we're not going to dominate with some kind of theocracy in the public square. That's just not going to happen. But we definitely can fight for the very values that this public square uh, claims to uphold, such as tolerance, such as diversity. I, I know even the Satanists want diversity of color, but the diversity they also talk about is diversity of ideology and opinion and belief. And Christian, that includes you. Don't, again, be aggressive, but use every legal right that you have to stand in the gap and to represent Christianity in the public square in a gentle, kind, but yet strong-willed manner. You see, we need people to stand. We need people to stand and stand for rights. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God says, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap between me and the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Are we going to stand? Because now's the time. 
some more news articles showing you that there are some Christians, there are some people, and I'm not sure they're all Christians here, but there are some people who are willing to stand for the beliefs of those who are on the quote-unquote outside of the diversity squad. Take, for instance, Liam Morrison. This is a uh, elementary school student in Middleborough, Massachusetts. He went to or he attended Nichols Middle School uh, in Middleborough, um, Massachusetts. He was pulled out of gym class and told to change his shirt by his teachers. What did the shirt say? There are only two genders. Uh, this is from Fox News. In an email reviewed by Fox News, Middleborough Public School Superintendent Carolyn Lyons said that Morrison had violated his dress code, specifically the content of Liam's shirt targeted students of a what? Oh, my word. A protected class, namely in the area of gender identity. Uh, however, his response from his fellow classmates was overwhelmingly positive. Liam says everyone in my homeroom and everyone in my gym class had supported what I had done. And he added that no fellow student directly confronted him about the shirt or said it offended them or made them feel unsafe. So the kid not only uh, wore the shirt, was asked then to change, refused to change, went home, thankfully because he had a supportive father, but he went back to the school board and stood in the public setting and spoke to the school board in Middle Mass Middleborough, Massachusetts. This is a elementary school student standing up. And I gotta say, we're gonna watch the video because it's wonderful, watch. Hello. Good evening. My name is Liam Morrison. I live at 519 Wareham Street. I'm in the 7th, 10th grade at Nichols Middle School. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. I never thought that the shirt I wore to school on March 21st would lead me to speak with you today. On that Tuesday morning, I was taken out of gym class to sit down with two adults for what turned out to be a very uncomfortable talk. I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt, that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. Yes, words on a shirt made people feel unsafe. They told me that I wasn't in trouble, but it sure felt like I was. I told, I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. When I nicely told them that I didn't want to do that, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad supported my decisions and came to pick me up. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. Nothing harmful, nothing threatening, just a statement I believe to be a fact. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? Are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school. Do you know why? Because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. Not one person, staff, or student told me that they were bothered by what I was wearing. Actually, just the opposite. Several kids told me that they supported my actions and that they wanted one too. I experienced, wait a no. I was told that the shirt was a disruption to learning. No one got up and stormed out of class. No one burst into tears. I'm sure I would have noticed if they had. I experienced disruptions to my learning every day. Kids acting out in class are a disruption, yet nothing is done. Why do the rules apply to one, yet not another? I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Their arguments were weak, in my opinion. I didn't go to school that day to hurt feelings or cause trouble. I have learned a lot from this experience. I learned that a lot of other students share my view. I learned that adults don't always do the right thing or make the right decisions. I know that I have a right to wear those five, shirt with those five words. Even at 12 years old, I have my own political opinions and I have a right to express those opinions. Even at school, this right is called the First Amendment to the Constitution. My hope in being here tonight is to bring the school committee's attention to this issue. 
I hope that you will speak up for the rest of us so we can express ourselves without being pulled out of class. Next time, it may not only be me. There might be more students that decide to speak out. Thank you for your time and good night. Thank you. Amazing. 12-year-old Liam Morrison of Middleborough, Massachusetts. Well done, young man. Well done. Future leader of America right there, because if he can lead at 12 years old, imagine what he can do at 32 years old. But the question here is, if you don't stand up, who will? There is one thing that I disagree with about uh, Liam's speech there, and that is this not being offended by the pride flags throughout the school. We should be offended by that. Why should one select group of people have the right to plaster their school with all kinds of imagery for their particular view? And by the way, it is a vast minority of American life, at least well, it's growing in popularity. <laughs> but the, the, the reality that we can just get along here and just mind our business and never speak up and just turn the other cheek, this has got to stop. We should show up at the school meetings. We should speak up to the school boards. We should at least let our voice be heard. For heaven's sakes, the future depends on it. Our kids are watching us. And if we back down, when will they learn to stand up? If we don't stand up, who will? Another evidence that standing up actually helps us win our rights. This is in Arizona. Uh, an Arizona school district will hire from a Christian college again after settling a religious discrimination lawsuit. So Glendale, Arizona, this says an Arizona school district, um, again, hiring uh, teachers from a Christian university after being sued citing the university's beliefs about marriage as a, as a reason to end a longstanding partnership. The Washington Elementary School District drew criticism early this year when it voted to dissolve its contract with Arizona Christian University. As previously reported by Crisis in the Classroom, the, con the contract existed for more than a decade and allowed WESD to recruit student teacher candidates from ACU. However, the WESD school board, led by board member Tamila Venezuela, unanimously, unanimously agreed in March that ACU's Christian values promote a, quote, strong anti-LGBTQ stance, end quote. They pointed to ACU's website, which states that marriage exists between a man and a woman as reason to believe hiring teachers from the university would create a harmful environment for certain students. So just listen to the language again, because it's important. If you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, that is considered strong anti-LGBTQ. <laughs> Unbelievable. The intolerance of the tolerant. So what did the christian university do did they just turn the other cheek and say okay i guess we'll send our students somewhere else no they fought back they filed a lawsuit with the alliance defending freedom and they claimed that the school board's decision was an unlawful attack against the university's religious beliefs uh, they also said that they were very confident a judge would agree during a special school board meeting wednesday night wsd elected to settle the lawsuit and enter a new agreement with ACU, the contract is subject to be renewed annually. So it's kind of like half-hearted there, but you know we'll let you back in. But every year we're going to take another look at your belief systems. So, but the point is, is that they won. They fought back. They didn't turn the other cheek and just lay down and take it. They fought for Christian rights. Christians, you pay taxes. If you pay taxes, you have rights. If you're a citizen, you have rights. And if we don't fight back, who will? By the way, at the school board meeting, again, Christians stood up and talked about, uh, several of them, the anti-Christian bias present in the uh, university, in the, in the um, sorry, in the school board in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Again, if we don't stand up, who will? News out of the UK. 
The UK, which, by the way, if you watched the coronation at all of King Charles III, you saw Christian element after 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 Christian element. I mean, it was literally loaded from beginning to end with Christian elements. Jesus was mentioned. Lord Jesus, he was he was commissioned or coronated in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. British, British civilization is the result of Christianity. And by implication, so is American civilization. And there's no getting away from it. But now as they turn on Christians and try to literally eradicate Christianity from the public sphere, we need people to stand up. And in the UK, they at least have one politician who was willing to stand up and she got paid out big. Uh, This is a mayoral candidate in uh, the UK who was fired from her job last May for publicly expressing her biblical beliefs on marriage during her election campaign. This is Maureen Martin. She worked as a housing manager for 13 years, had an outstanding employee record, and she is also the president of the UK political party called the Christian People's Alliance. Her company received several complaints after she posted uh, a pamphlet about marriage between a man and woman being the only natural marriage. Uh, Officials with the company also raised concerns about previous social media posts where she had commented on transgender athletes and the rainbow pride flag. Her employer fired her for allegedly spreading hate speech because her campaign leaflet supported the traditional biblical definition of, of marriage. In her dismissal letter, she was told that her views could be perceived to be discriminatory, hurtful, and offensive views towards members of the LGBTQ plus community, non-traditional families, and abortion. <laughs> abortion all of a sudden, out of, out of nowhere. So she sues and she gets it uh, settled in court for a substantial sum. Uh, that is actually after the one-year anniversary of her firing. So, amen, uh, Maureen Martin of the UK. You stood up. You stood in the gap. You used every legal power that you had to fight for your civil rights, and it worked. Again, the question of the ages: if we don't stand up, who will? So, closer to my home hometown smith smithfield rhode island uh, the school committee is now proposing changes to its transgender policy the current policy allows a teacher to hide a student's gender identity from the parents and now the school committee because of outcries from parents are now considering rescinding that policy and this is good news the school committee is considering a change to the district's policy this is from the news here nbc 10 in rhode island uh change to the district's policy on transgender and non-conforming students the revision will require students to notify a parent if a middle or high school student says they are thinking about transitioning the change adds a line in the current policy saying there should be a disclosure to parents or legal guardians of gender identity expression or transition again how did this happen because parents went to the school board and they spoke up if you don't stand up who will you cannot just turn the other cheek now i take one more example before we get to a serious one just as a bit of a i don't know comic relief so out of indiana councilman ryan webb of delaware county recently came out as a trans woman of color let me put this up on the screen there he is the sorry there she is the brave city council 
person, Ryan Webb, uh, writing in his uh, Facebook post, it is with great relief that I announced to everyone that I identify as a woman and not just any woman, but as a woman of color as well. I guess this would make me gay slash lesbian as well, since I am attracted to women. He added, oh, by the way, it is okay to call him he because he decided to hold on to his he, him pronouns. Uh, he said, going forward, I will speak my truth and be open about who I am as a person, as well as how I perceive the complexity of my own gender identity. We cannot let bullies, racist, hateful, and intolerant bigots silence our voices. He also posted before and after pictures of his transition, which I think beautiful results there on the right uh, for Ryan Webb. Uh, good for him. More power to you. And this is exactly another way that we should stand up and mock this insanity of the age. Because if we don't mock insanity, people actually think the insanity is truth. And we can't afford that. We can't afford that at this point. Unbelievably, by the way, another trans woman spoke out against Ryan Webb's new identity at a public hearing at the council. And frankly, I'm shocked that the trans community is attacking one of its own. This is trans woman Charlize Jameson. <laughs> Sorry, the name. Testifying against one of her own. Watch. Last week, Councilperson Ryan Webb announced publicly on social media and to several news outlets that he now, now identifies as a lesbian woman of color, retaining his male pronouns and bragging that he is now the first, this is a quote, LGBTQ plus woman of color to ever sit on the Delaware County Council and claiming to have shattered the local glass ceiling, end quote. <laughs> What's going on? Anyway, she continues her attack. If he were serious, I'd sing his praises. But instead, I know better. Well, how do you know better? This, his, this is his authentic true self. He's just being who he is. Maybe God made him that way, Charlize Jameson. <laughs> I don't know. And who are you to judge? Honestly, it is just shameful what some bigots will do in the face of bold and brave movements on the part of some. If we don't stand up, and even if we don't stand up in ridiculous ways that point out the ridiculousness of our age, who will? Because they will come for you. Uh, taking a page out of Revelation, the banking system will come for you. This is absolutely true. A CFPD report highlights supervisory findings of a wide-ranging uh, violations of law in 2021. The CFPD, PB, if you didn't know, was the consumer or is the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. It says under the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2020, 2010, the CFPB has the authority to supervise large banks, thrifts, credit unions with assets over 10 billion and certain non-banks for compliance with federal consumer financial law. They found fair lending violations. Which fair lending violations do they find? Well, the first one, very problematic, that the lenders had discriminated against African-American and female borrowers in the granting of pricing exceptions compared to non-Hispanic white and male borrowers. But it also found that lenders improperly consider small business applicants' religion in their credit decisions. For religious institutions applying for small business loans, some lenders improperly utilized a questionnaire that contained explicit inquiries about their religion. So they are coming for you. These are banking organizations. These are people who are in charge of whether or not you get to open the business, whether or not you get to buy the car, whether or not you get to buy the house. And they're violating the law right now. By the way, just in case you were unaware, this is total revelation stuff. Revelation makes very clear that during the tribulation in Revelation chapters 13, 16, that the beast will cause both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be marked on the right hand and their forehead so that no one can buy or sell. 
That's economy right there. Unless he has the mark of the beast. That is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Anyway, that's where it's at. That's where we're seeing. The, the, the drippings of the tribulation are coming to our country. Uh, Fox Business has also reported on this. Chase Bank warned on religious discrimination by 19 attorneys general. 19 Republican attorney generals are putting J.P. Morgan Chase and company on notice after the bank allegedly discriminated against customers with certain religious beliefs or political affiliations. Thank God for someone like Attorney General Daniel Cameron, pictured here in the article of Kentucky, who led a coalition of these Senate Republican states in a letter Tuesday to Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, uh, claiming that Chase has persistently discriminated against consumers due to their religious or political affiliation. Chase cannot call itself inclusive and say that it opposes discrimination in any form while simultaneously disenfranchising his clients over religious political differences. Uh, as an example, the AG said that the National Committee for Religious Freedom was debanked last year without explanation. Three weeks after NCRF opened a Chase account last year, Chase sent them a letter indicating that the bank had ended their relationship. When, and when they inquired about the closure, Chase never gave an explanation, but eventually said it would reopen the account, but only if NCRF provided the bank a list of its donors, political candidates they intended to support, and a criteria for its endorsements this is unbelievable this is what's happening right now in our country and thank god there is someone at least willing to stand up and speak out see they're going to come for you if we don't stand up we will lose our rights as citizens and no no this is not roman empire uh ad 100 this is in the United States of America, 2023. And I will give you one final verse of scripture to, refi- to remind you that standing up for truth is our biblical mandate. Ephesians chapter 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rules, the authorities, the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We've got to do something. We've got to do, do all. We've got to do everything that we can to fight for the rights of Christians. Now, at some point, the fight will lose. Yes, I understand that. At some point, and I get the lack of motivation on some on the parts of some Christians because you know, you know the truth. You know how it ends. It ends badly for Christians. We're persecuted. We're uh, robbed of rights, and you know there's great tribulation coming upon the world. Yeah, but until that happens, okay, uh, let's fight for what we should have as citizens of this country. No, we do not impose a theocracy telling everybody that they have to believe in Jesus. That's very clear, even from Jesus' own words, that most people will choose the way of destruction, but we do have the right to stand up for what we believe and fight for our rights. Anyway, that's the show. Thanks for being here, guys. Check out the ch- uh, the website, Tim Hatch Live, for new merch that's available right now. Support the channel, Cash App Tim Hatch Live or TimHatchLive.com. Support. Thank you for all of your support, all of those of you who do support the channel financially. And then the deep dive tomorrow night happens with uh, Second Kings. And then 10 questions with Tim. I might be interested, uh, if you are, in bringing that out this Thursday. Let me know in the comments below if you are interested. Otherwise... I'm so glad that you were here. There's a fight to be had. And no, turning the other cheek is not good public policy. It, would never, it was never intended to be. Let's stand. Let's fight. And let's fight for the sake of our kids and future generations of Christians that we might preach the gospel until Jesus comes again. God bless. Have a good night.